0: There we are. Hey, we're gonna mess with you again a little bit this week because uh, we want to do communion after the message today. All right. So those of you who are like, "Hey, that's not the right time yet," I know, I know. I just like playing games with y'all. All right. Hey, we are in this series called "Come Now," and and really, it's the idea of worship. You know why? Because Jesus, man, he is the most powerful. His name is the most powerful. And it's not just his name. It's everything that Jesus stands for. It's everything that Jesus represents. And so we've been looking at this small text in Matthew chapter 2 where these wise men, they literally come and they worship Jesus. They travel a long way to worship him. In the first week, we looked at one of the postures of just lifting our hands, raising our hands before God. And, And we looked at that and tried to understand why we do it, right? And we even had some fun with that. And then the next week Christian talked about how these wise men brought their gifts and, and one of the acts and postures of worship for us is that we get to bring our gifts. And then last week we talked about how we pour it all out. Pour it all out. Anybody pour it out this week? Yeah. Yeah. Some of us. Yeah. You just, you give it all, right? You just pour it out before God. You tell him what's bothering you. You let him know what's not right and We just, we do that. And so this week, what I want to look at is, I want to look at this concept of bowing our knees, kneeling, kneeling before God, worshiping Him. And when these wise men saw the star, man, what did they do? They were overjoyed. And it's an interesting word because they saw this star and something happened in them. And the reason that they were overjoyed is because literally for centuries they were hoping and they were praying and they were, they were pleading with God that God would do something, that one day he would send the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And these wise men believed when they saw that star that, that, this, that this was the time that this was the day, that literally their prayers for for years had been answered, and this was going to be the fulfillment of all of the prophecy and everything that they knew. And so if you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, listen to this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, when's the last time you rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? I mean, it's not just that you rejoiced. It's that with great joy exceedingly abundantly overwhelmingly with great joy and going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and what'd they do say it with me they fell down and they worshiped him and then opening their treasures they offered him gifts of of gold and frankincense and myrrh verse 11 says that uh, coming to the house they saw the mother of Jesus what's her name Mary, all right, they, they see her, and what did they do? They literally bow down before Jesus and they worshiped him, right? They bowed down, they worshiped him. Now, what's really interesting is what happens is we always visualize the wise men coming to baby Jesus in the manger. What you have to understand is they traveled like 900 miles on foot. Uh, camel, animal, right? They probably didn't get there in time to see Jesus in this kind of condition. How many of you have a two-year-old? How many of you have had a two-year-old? How many of you have ever been around a two-year-old? Now, you got to get this right in your head, Okay. Alright, as you're picturing a two-year-old, crackers up the nose, kind of two-year-old thing. Right? Right? Things coming out of the hair. Right? You, you've been to a restaurant where a two-year-old is slapping the table, and the poor mom is giving him the fork and the cran and I mean anything. He could ask for the moon, and mom would give him the moon at that moment. Right? You've been around two-year-olds? You've experienced two-year-olds? So I need you to get this in your head here just for a moment, okay? Because what's going on here is they're, they're not kneeling before baby Jesus. Four days old, precious, oh, cooing, even two-week-old baby Jesus. No, 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 no. This is likely two-year-old. Two-year-old. I mean, think about it. Banging pans, banging the table, throwing the fork, crackers in the nose, toothless, kind of crazy, beginning to walk, beginning to talk, all those things that we wish our babies would do. And then when they start doing, we plead with God that they would slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two-year-olds try to convince you that they're liars. That's what they are. They're liars. They try to tell you their things that really they're not. Right? Have you ever been around a two-year-old trying to convince you that they're a dinosaur? I mean, they're going to do everything that the, the two-year-old, a two-year-old can stare you in the eyeball and fill their pants all at the same time. <laughs> like serious. And you can say, are you pooping? They're, they're liars. All right. And, and so you got to picture this. Here's these wise men. They bow down before this two-year-old. Now now listen, some commentators will tell you that anywhere from two to probably the age of 11. But I like the idea of the two-year-old, right? And so here, here's the deal. This, this rivals the virgin birth. This is one thing coming to worship baby Jesus. But coming from 900 miles away to come and worship Jesus the toddler, the two-year-old... It changes the image in our mind a little bit, doesn't it? And what I want to talk to you about today is I really want to talk about how how we get to kneel in the presence of God. I mean, let's call it what it is, by the way. In our culture, particularly our culture, we don't do a lot of kneeling, all right? I mean, let's face it, guys. There's probably two times in your entire life that you'll actually kneel, all right? And the first one is a guarantee, hopefully a guarantee of something to follow, okay? And that's when you get down on your knee and you... Propose, All right. How many of you men got on your knee and you proposed to your spouse? And now I want to ask, how many of you knew you should have gotten down on your knee, but you didn't get down on your knee? And say, exactly. See? And so now I know already. Now, the second time is when you're like in high school and you play football and you actually have to take a picture with a helmet or a football in one hand and the helmet in the other hand, and you actually are down on your, your knee outside of that I couldn't think of another time in our culture where guys really we kneel all right and by the way if you think that's bad I don't I can't think of a time women kneel at all because when you're proposing what do they do they do this leg thing I don't even understand (laughs) the leg thing all right you see the pictures I mean we're not going to kneel we're gonna it's true is it not So in our culture, we are just not familiar with this idea of kneeling. So why do they do it? Why do they do it? Why is this a part of the Christmas story? And I went to Psalm, the book of Psalm, because we see so much about worship in the book of Psalm. Listen to this in Psalm 95. It says this. Oh, come, let us worship and what? Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture, and we are the sheep of His hand. Man, this is a beautiful psalm. It says, Let us come and worship. And, And how do we worship? By bowing down, by kneeling before the Lord. Why? Because God, He is our Maker. He is our maker because we are his people and we belong in his pasture. We are the sheep at his hand. We are the sheep of the shepherd who belong to the shepherd. Now what's really interesting is there's this really cool Hebrew word called sheka, right? Anybody heard this before? Shekinah glory. Have you ever heard that phrase? All right, all right. This is great. So this, this phrase, shakaz, used 170 times in the Bible, and what the l- word literally means is to bow down, to, to worship, to kneel and worship. It doesn't mean just worship, but, but it literally means that we would take a posture where we would kneel, where we would bow 170 times in Scripture. We're told it, that we kneel down, we bow down in worship to our God. And one of the reasons why I believe culturally we don't kneel more often is fundamentally we don't understand completely and fully the holiness, the awesomeness of who God is. You see, if we understand just how holy God is, then we would put ourselves in a real lowly position before him. If we fully comprehended how awesome and incredible and overwhelming God really is, then it would force us to be in a particular posture where we would just be down on our our knees. You see, so holy is God that mortal man could not look up to him without being overwhelmed, without without looking to him and literally being able to live. Whenever Moses, remember this, when Moses was gonna see the glory of God, when he was receiving the Ten Commandments, God said, Moses, you can't handle my glory. Moses, you can't even experience my glory. As a matter of fact, when I pass by you, I'm gonna put my hand over you so that you can't see because it's that overwhelming. Because Moses, you can't look me in the face and actually live. It's too powerful. I'm, I'm, I, there's too much glory. In the Old Testament, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. You remember this? High priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And really, you'd only go once a year. And when you entered in, the tradition says they would tie a rope around the priest's leg. Just in case he experienced the glory of God, they could pull him out when they heard him thump. Man, have you experienced the glory of God? So holy is God that mortal man cannot look upon him in the purest essence and ever actually be able to live. And suddenly, when we comprehend the glory of God and how powerful the glory of God is, and when we begin to comprehend just a little bit the glory of God, the one who spoke and created everything, suddenly kneeling down before him actually seems like the right thing to do. In fact, what's incredibly interesting to me is that there's not a single place in the Bible where God commands us, where he instructs us, where he asks us to kneel before him. But what do we see repeatedly in Scripture over and over and over again? we do it the only time the only time that God commanded that we bow down to anything was not to bow down to anything that was lesser than him see the wise men they bowed and worshiped to him that's what the wise men did they didn't bow down to the star and they didn't bow down to the treasure that they worshiped him and I am in this conflict already because in our culture and in the way we live, we tend to bow down to a lot of things other than God, don't we? So the wise men, they bow down to worship him. Not the star, not the treasure. They worshiped him. And what I want to do today is I want to inspire us for just a moment. I want to inspire us to come now, to come now and to worship. Not just worship at church, but to let our hearts be overflowing with God's awesomeness. And That we would just worship him, to lift our hands up, to bring our gifts to him and worship, to pour our hearts out to him. But more than that, to kneel before him and worship. Maybe to even say to God, God, I want there to be less of me. And I want there to be more of you. Maybe just to pour our hearts out and say, God, I want you to overwhelm me. I want want to experience, I want to experience what those wise, that they were overjoyed with great overjoyment. What better time than to pause in the middle of Christmas season? The hustle and what? Bustle. Right in the world and to actually pause and think for a few moments about the birth of Jesus that God so loved the world that he became one of us. Not born in a palace but born in a hole in a wall to symbolize that he's not too far reaching for any of us to reach out to him and and experience him and to have him be a part of our lives that he came for the lowest of the low based on who he is and what he did. Sometimes our only reasonable response is to bow down, to kneel down, and to worship him. And so what I want to do today is I just want to give you three quick postures and and three real, real reasons, different reasons, why we might bow down and worship him. And the first one is this, we kneel in pursuit of God. We kneel when we are in pursuit of God. Some of us right now, man, might be just what we need to do. Maybe some of us have been pursuing all sorts of other things, And we tend to bow down to those things that we have been pursuing. But maybe what we need to do is we need to pursue the right thing. Maybe we need to pursue God and we kneel down in pursuit of God. And I love Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter. It's pretty interesting because there's this really, really rich guy. Who comes up and he begins to have a conversation? I mean, he had everything that anybody would have ever wanted or even needed, and yet he was missing one thing, and he knew he was missing this one thing. And so here's how the story goes: Mark 10, verse 17 says this. And I was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him. Did you capture that? Knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit? eternal life. Now listen, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, and I've missed this concept right here until this week. The rich man, he's got everything he needs, he has everything he could have ever wanted, and what is his posture before Jesus? He kneels down he kneels down, and I've missed this. I miss this. I always focus on the question, what do you need to get eternal life? Right? Isn't that what a good pastor does? A good pastor is going to focus on that question so that I can deliver a sermon that will give you the answer of how to receive eternal life. But it seems that the focus here is not the question. The focus here is the posture. And the posture is, the rich man who had everything he could have ever ever wanted, and he had everything that anybody would have ever needed, he knelt down. And some of us right now, we are in this place in our life where, man, we're not even a committed follower of God. I mean, a lot of us, we believe in God. But to pursue God? To pursue Him? What does that look like? What does it look like? What does it look like for us to pursue God? When's the last time you pursued God? Some of us, we struggle with the question, is there even a God? Does God even... Really exists is this whole Christmas thing even real anyway? Could there be a God? If there's a God, where does God fit in this world? Some of us ask the question over and over. If God is God, then how does God fit into all the other world religions and all these other kind of things? And, and I'm telling you, you're in a good place to begin investigating those questions. I want to encourage you that if that's where you are, here's what you might want to do. And maybe maybe you believe, but man, this idea of pursuing Him. And being fully devoted, a disciple of Jesus. And what I want you to do is I I want you to maybe consider thinking about bowing down or kneeling down before God and saying, God, here I am. I don't know what this looks like. I don't even understand everything about you. But the preacher said today that maybe I should just pursue you and, and maybe that's what I'll try to do. Maybe ask the most dangerous thing that you could ask. God, if you're really there, reveal yourself to me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I'm telling you, it's a dangerous prayer to pray. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. So, so listen, it, when you pray something like that, you got to get ready. Because when you start to draw near to God, you know what God's going to do? He is going to draw near to you. And there's going to be some sort of things that are going to happen. And at some point, <laughs> you're going to have to say you know what this is a pretty serious thing this is a pretty serious thing let me me help you understand something when life gives us too much to stand we should kneel when life gives us more than we can begin to stand we should kneel Something happens. And have you ever been overwhelmed in life and and literally you did your bedtime prayers just like, you know, we were taught a long time ago? What's the picture? Next to your bed, elbows on your bed, hands folded, and where are your knees? On the floor. Man, there's something mysterious that happens when we take that posture. There's something beyond our understanding that happens when we begin to kneel before God. So we kneel in pursuit to him. The second one is this. We kneel in repentance to God. And there are some of us, man, we are followers of God, but you know what? (laughs) Hmm. Any sinners in the room today? Any liars in the room today? (laughs) Clarified sinner right there. All right. Just trying to get us all, make us feel good about that, right? But we may need to kneel in repentance. Maybe not in pursuit, but we may need to kneel in repentance to God. You see, every now and then, sometimes, often, we do things. And you know what these things do? They really do break the heart of God. We do things, and it breaks the heart of God. And it's really interesting to me, because when you start getting into the holidays, the holidays become a magnifier of the really good stuff, but the holidays also can become the magnifier of the really bad stuff. Have you ever experienced that? And so, this is what I know. This is what I know at Christmas time. If you've ever done anything against someone, if you have trouble and heartbreak in the family, it's like Christmas time is just going to put a great big spotlight on that, right? Because maybe it happened last year at Christmas, and now this year you've got to deal with that person who you've not talked to all year long. Hmm. And maybe what happens is we just, we just need to think, you know what? I need, to, I need to turn away from this, and I need to get my heart right. And, and maybe maybe for some of us, you're smiling on the outside, but inside, you're grieving. And it's hard. It's hard. See, there's a powerful example of kneeling in, in Luke's gospel, And I really like Luke's gospel because Luke just does some things. And so he's dealing with this guy named Peter. Do you remember Peter? Well, see, Peter was a fisherman, and he was fishing all day long. And guess what? He was like the fisherman in here. He didn't catch anything, right? Right? I know. I just created a fence. They usually sit over on this side. So anyway. But Peter, he didn't catch a thing. And Jesus, a carpenter, understand this, he shows up on the shore and he says, hey, why don't you try the other side? Now could you picture this, all right? You have a professional fisherman. It would be like Craig and Jeff out on the boat, right? Not catching a thing and me showing up and yelling from the beach, the sand there. Hey guys, have you thought about throwing the poles on the other side of the boat? What do you think they would say to me? like serious all right now maybe you're not even a fisherman but you can picture this scenario and maybe it's me on the beach telling you you should throw the poles on the other side right and I can don't even I can see I'm not even saying it right it should be the line on the other side not the poles but you you get what I'm saying but I know if you would just go to the other side and what are you all going to think of me crazy, right? So this is Jesus. This is the scenario. This is what's going on. He shows up. They've been fishing all day long. As a matter of fact, the text tells us that they're getting ready to put their stuff away. They've, they're working to come in because it's been an exhausting day. And Jesus says, hey, did you think about throwing the nets on the other side of the boat? And I love this. I love this. Because you know what happens, right? They do. And what happens? They catch the fish load of a lifetime. They caught more fish in that few moments than they would have gotten all day long. And I love this. Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 8. It says this. But when Simon Peter saw it, what happened? He fell down at Jesus' knees. And what did he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me. Depart from me. See, some of us think we're like Peter and we're too much of a sinner and we can't be accepted for repentance. But what I want you to know is there is an act of repentance. And here's the beautiful thing Jesus literally came to die for those of us who are sinners. Jesus literally came to this earth and he died on the cross for sinners. And first John says, if we confess our sins that He is holy and He is just and He will forgive us and, and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. I mean, some of us think, you know what, and you know, we know family members, maybe not here, but we know family members who say, Well, if I walked into your church, the roof would cave in. Have you heard that? Yeah, no, no, it won't cave in because that's exactly what Jesus is dying for. That's why he died. That's why he, he was crucified. That's why he was buried so that the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, the worst sinner, the best sinner, if there is a best sinner, I, whatever that means. That's exactly who Jesus died for. Those of us who are Sinners. See, kneeling before Jesus empowers us to stand before man. Unqualified, too ugly of a past, too much baggage. I man, I, I don't know what has defined you in the past or what you think of yourself when you compare yourself to the power of Jesus. But I know this. Jesus died for you. And he died for me. And if you're going to stand tall now, then you have to kneel in repentance before him. That's what I know. So we kneel in pursuit. We kneel in repentance. And then there's one more. And this is the favorite of most Christians. We kneel in submission to God. Submission. Right? It's sort of like... um, Have you ever wrestled with your kids? I have. It's getting a little bit more dangerous these days. But man, there's a powerful moment, right, when your kid has to stop. Gives you the power. Have you ever felt that? Like just reminding them. Sometimes you have a wrestling match just to remind them you can still hurt them. Right? Especially when their mouths start getting, Tucker's not in here anymore, is he? good right when their mouths you know you're like we just need to have a good like nerf gun war or a really good wrestling match we need we need to do something so that you can remember that i could hurt you really 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 bad (laughs) right is this bad this doesn't be recorded is it yeah see but have you ever had those moments where you were reminded maybe you're not as strong as you thought you were have you ever been reminded that maybe you're not as tough as you thought you were or smart as you thought you were. See, when we begin to experience the glory of God, suddenly we get to say, wow, God is tougher and smarter and more brilliant. He's so much better than anything else that I could have ever imagined. And what I find really fascinating is everything we've ever done wrong that we, what he became that for us and what i love about this idea of submission is even jesus even jesus had to experience this where, where the power of god was so overwhelming and, and jesus knew what he needed to do but do you remember this he withdraws listen to this from luke chapter two, 22 verse 41 and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw he's talking about his disciples and what did jesus do he knelt down did you capture that He knelt down and he prayed. And this is what he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And you remember this? We'll talk about it at Easter, all right? But Jesus, he is now overwhelmed with the reality that he is about to be crucified on the cross for the sins of the entire world. Man, can you imagine carrying that burden? And what does Jesus do? He withdraws from the rest of the crowd. He doesn't go too far. Somebody could throw a stone as far as he is. But what Jesus does is he takes on the posture of kneeling. And he says to God, God, this cup is overwhelming. This cup is big. If it's your will, take the cross from me. Take this death from me. But then you get the submission. Nevertheless, Not my will, but yours be done. And some of us, some of us, this might need to be the posture we need to take today. Some of us might need to tap out and say, you know what, God, not my will, but your will. Some of us might need to tap out and say, God, I've been trying to drive the bus and I'm not a very good bus driver. Some of us need to say, I've been trying to do it my way, God, but maybe what I need to do is is say, not my will, but your will, and, and I, need to, I need to surrender. I need to submit. I, I need to give in. See, kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what puts God in the right place in our lives. One last thing I want to tell you, and this is the secret. And a lot of people don't understand this yet. You ready for this? We can kneel now or we can kneel later. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't even know where you're at with this Christmas concept. But I want to tell you the secret and this is the truth. We can kneel now We can kneel later. What do I mean? Well, we can kneel in pursuit of him now. We can kneel in repentance to him now. We can kneel in submission to him now. Or there will be a day when you will be so overwhelmed that you will kneel then. How do I know this? There's this great passage in Philippians chapter 2. This is what it says and being found in human form. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, because of what Jesus did, part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because of what the Son accomplished, therefore God has highly exalted him and has bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, And we sang it, didn't we? We sang about it. And so, at the name of Jesus, what will happen? Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Man, capture this. Get this in your head. Every knee will bow. Above, here, and below every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now listen, I I don't understand how it's all going to happen. But Revelation gives us this beautiful picture that, that at some point in one day there will be a trumpet blast. And what Revelation describes, what John describes in Revelation is that the trumpet will be so loud it will feel like an earthquake. Man, the big one has nothing on the big one. But the trumpet will be so loud, and it'll blast so loud that the earth will shake. And somehow, Revelation, as John describes it, the clouds will separate, and out comes Jesus on a white horse. And the shakaw of God will be so overwhelming. The glory of God will be so incredible that it will force every knee, whether you are a believer or not, on earth, above the earth, and under the earth, to bow before him. What I want you to know is this. It is better today for you to bow in pursuit, to bow in repentance, and to bow in submission today And it will be when you experience the glory when it is done.